Hi, dear listener. Zach here. I'm proud of the work we did on Call of Discovery and Keyforge Public Radio, and last year I took my love of podcasts full-time with my company, Rooster High Productions. If you know someone with a business who wants to broadcast their expertise through podcasts and derived social media marketing, send them my way to Zach at RoosterHigh.com. Thank you so much. Welcome to Call of Discovery, the podcast where we celebrate Keyforge, its community, and the excitement of discovery. I am joined once again by Blake, but you may better know him as Boulevard Paperfight. Welcome back, Blake. Thanks for having me on again, Ed. So we are going to be sharing the most strange, spectacular or otherwise surprising deck from Blake's collection today in our latest deck discovery episode. So take it away, Blake. What is the deck that you are going to show to our audience today? So this deck is Lagerfan, the Rogue of Dragons, and it's a Logos Saurian Shadows deck. Yes, it's called Rogue. Yes, I I do uh, I do like the name. <laughs> Uh, this this deck has a 69 base arc on the decks of Keyforge with a plus 12 synergy and a minus one anti-synergy, giving it a total of an 80 sass. This is personally my highest ranked deck that I possess, and it also happens to be the very first Worlds Collide deck I ever opened. And it is also the very first Worlds Collide deck that we have had on a deck discovery episode. So thank you, Blake, for bringing this one in. Oh, it's my pleasure. I think the best way to kick off about this deck is the story of the quest for this deck. Absolutely. I wrote an article about this, and this quest actually happens to be a real-life quest, not a, a digital quest. So... I acquired this deck during the quote-unquote target pre-release, <laughs> and I happened to be going to the Las Vegas Vault Tour, and my journey down to Vegas was on the Thursday, and the whole basically hurrah of Target Has Worlds Collide was announced and made public to everyone on the Wednesday, and I'm in Canada, so we don't have Target, but it just so happens the next day on Thursday that I was going to be in the U.S. heading to Las Vegas for the fall. Very tour. convenient. So it was very convenient. I was so excited. So I um, I took a flight out of uh, Washington uh, just a, l- a couple hours north of Seattle in Bellingham. And so I was already crossing the border, border. So the very first thing I did was I went to the closest Target that was there. And they did not have any worlds collide. So I was disappointed before I got on the plane. No. But yes, it was it was very sad. So my next thing was to start searching for targets using the app to find out who has the product through the SKU. And I did so and found out there were some in Las Vegas. So I already had my route planned out. So I get on my flight. It's a two and a half hour flight to Las Vegas from there. I land. I literally the very first thing I did was I hopped in a cab 
and I said, take me to this target. And it's the target that was like right from the airport. I went and hit up a target with my luggage and everything. And I went to do one that I found out there was two. There was one that was close to the yeah. hotel I was staying at. And there was one that was close to the airport, but really far from the hotel. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to go and check this one out. Because if they don't have it, I have another one that's close to my hotel that I can nice. visit. Nice. So, Backup plan. Yes, exactly. I had a whole strategy planned out because I was determined to get some Target pre-release decks. So I went to this one and I go there, I show them the SKU. They said they have them in the back. They weren't sure if they were supposed to be out yet. And I was like, oh, well, other people have been posting that they just ask and they get given them. And they're like, oh, okay. And then she brings me back one. I was like, <laughs> how many do you have? And she's like, six. And I was like, can I get four more? So I, I bought five. Nice. And I didn't buy the full stick. You left one. Just I in did. Case. Yeah, I felt bad. Well, it was. It was just. I kind of thought like I just took this journey here, and I know what that was like. And if I came and made that, and there was none yeah. there, it would be really disappointing. So leaving one, so at least you're not coming out empty-handed. <laughs> That's the way I kind of viewed it. So I was trying to be somewhat courteous. So I like it. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it was great. And then I just took a, a lift to my hotel, which was literally half the price of the cab ride, and I was going twice the distance. So that's that's a, a great thing about those those rideshare um, programs that exist. And so I I got all my my goodies, and I had five boxes, and I had plans for this. Is I only kept three of the five, and the other two were where I was going to open up and give decks to people. So uh, my good friend Jonathan, who was traveling with me. Uh, basically was coming on a later flight and i basically had it so that when he arrived he had a world's collide deck waiting for him so that we could jam keyforge that weekend and i i remember this like so clearly because it was it was so much fun to like be able to do this i was like hey man here's a world's collide deck we're gonna have a fun weekend and we stayed up to one in the morning playing world's nice. collide but this was the deck that i opened first and i played first i opened this was my very first ever world's collide deck that I cracked was this one, Logger Fan, the Rogue of Dragons. So I had this huge journey to get this this deck, and and that actually makes it that much more special. And then it turns out it's a pretty pretty saucy deck. It is as well. a pretty saucy deck. What a deck to have your first play of Worlds Collide with. Yes, and um, so when you see the link of decks of Keyforge, the interesting thing is you'll notice it has a competitive record of zero and three. Um, yeah. It's kind of funny because I was when I was still just trying to get used to this deck, I actually played this in a store championship before Worlds Collide was legal. And I was, oh. yeah, and I was kind of only had, I think, about like eight games played with it. And it wasn't on the Crucible yet. So I was having to either do some webcam games with Dan uh, from Sanctimonious or I was just playing casually with people. So I never had really like tested it. So I was like, I think this deck could sure. be good. But I want to test it against truly top tier decks. So I thought I'm going to bring it to my store championship this weekend. I found out that it could scan and we did it. I talked to the organizer and he was like, I don't see any reason why you can't play it. He's like, if it scans, it's fine. So I just went first to scan my deck. So if that anything happened in Crash Gem, we could just restart and I wouldn't use the deck. Great. But idea. it scanned. And my whole ideology was I had already won a store championship a couple weeks prior. So winning was not as important to me, but I knew everyone would be bringing their top AOA and, and uh, Coda decks, and I wanted to see how it fared against them. And as you can see by the record, it did not fare very well. No, um, no. But then Worlds it, Collide needs just, it needs more reps, doesn't it, than both it, AOA it and Coda before it. It needs yeah. a real appreciation of what those cards do in 
all the many, many different contexts they're going to face. And yeah, it's just some of the strategies are much more nuanced. They are, yes. I felt like my first couple sealed, I felt like completely lost. Like I was, and I realized I didn't know the deck well enough because as I'm playing in the tournament, I am have a hand and I'm literally looking down and I actually had no idea what I should do. I was like, I have no idea what I should be doing right now. And I was like, wow, I don't know this deck enough. I'm like, okay, so this isn't a good representation, but I'm getting to see what is really hurting the deck and what is causing it to have some struggles, which was also a very valuable lesson. Sure, sure. And I imagine you've been much more successful with your more recent endeavors with the deck. Uh, yes, I have been more successful. My record is 11 and 6, including these three losses so i'm nice. i'm doing quite well with it i'm discovering uh the the way it wants to play uh, a big problem was was saurians are such a new house yeah so you have a yeah. lot of excitement behind it but the saurian house is not something you want to lead with so no. you can actually do something that will hurt you in the later stages of the game if you get too excited to have that saurian house and, and diving into that a little bit what roles do the do the three houses in this deck play do, are they quite traditional roles are the saurians the the ones that want to have all of the limelight or is it a slightly different deck it's it's quite different actually it's it's um when i was doing my write-up to describe this deck and doing my full analysis to talk about here i was quite intrigued by the conclusions i was drawing to discuss so first off okay. this deck has 17 creatures and 16 actions so it's quite balanced in that sense between creatures and actions it's not like a most worlds collide decks where you're in the 20 plus creatures which seems to yeah seems to fall more often than not now logos first is uh kind of the setup house is I use this house when I'm calling to try and set up the future. So there's things memory chip plus an Edai and a Tau Tau Vapors, which allows me to archive. And I'm actually looking to archive my dinosaurs. That's the yep. route I'm going for is I want to archive. It has an Imperial Forge and it has a city state interest. So these cards I want to save for later on in the game when they're necessary. So I use those other cards to help fuel that. Absolutely. And then the Logo Suite does what Logos does, which is to help you cycle through your deck. And that happens through having an Igor, a Tau Tau Vapors, and a Daughter. So the Igor lets you look at three cards, put one into your hand, two into discard. Tau Tau allows you to draw two, archive one. And then Daughter, of course, allows you to draw an extra card. Yeah. So those all help me to go through my deck faster and start getting the pieces that I need to work. Um, next up in the in the logos that I'm looking for is I have a cutthroat research and that works really well with having an EDI plus all those archive things. So I'm putting my opponent in a position where I can put them off check and then make them maybe go higher. And then I have a cutthroat research to get that maximum value, which I have to say cutthroat research for me will win the most improved player award in terms of it's Completely. valuable. It's uh, how valuable it is now compared to how it was in age of ascension. I absolutely agree. The number of times this has come in handy, it's like a too much to protect light for, yes. for me or has, has almost played that role in, in many of the games I've been playing. It's not one that you feel super bad playing out just for the Amber Pip, but at the same time, it's felt necessary to to withhold it for a certain time. And I think you've got a lot of options for that here. I agree. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. And then the last thing I like about in Logos, um, I'm very happy about is there's a quant. And yep. outside of Logos, there's 11 action cards. So it can put in a lot of work where I'm 
able to cycle through, especially I feel like some of the Saurian cards, like I don't want to call Saurian yet, but I can still get some of them out of my hand because the big ones for me is Favor of Rex, which allows you to copy the playability of any creature on the battlefield. One of my favorite cards in Saurian. Yes, yeah. Yeah, super, super powerful. And I think, you know, we're going to dive into this shortly, but you've got a lot of interesting play effects in, in yes. this deck. Never mind what my opponent has. No, never mind yes. what your opponent has. And that gives you so much flexibility to do all these different things. But Quant is a brilliant fun card that for me so far has flown under the radar a little bit that it says, Reap, you can play one non-Logos action card this turn. It is a comes off as a Kirby light to a certain extent. Yes. And it really, <laughs> in a house that already offers you so many ways of drawing and archiving cards, it's now offering you a way to play them as well. Yes, it's it's very nice. And and I just, I really enjoy that card. It helps get through, like I said, like it's another way to kind of cycle just a little bit more. And then uh, the Logo Suite has a Thorium Plasmate, which is always a great bit of... Uh, way to add damage get rid of a ward what have you because you deal two damage to a you move a creature and then you deal two damage to it for each neighbor that shares a house with it so it's i find it's a very um very handy logos card i think no one is disappointed to see that in a deck no and, and nor nor are they disappointed to see sanitation engineer as well which really feels like a yerk that keeps on giving uh, um, that card's garbage to to rip off dan's joke his dad joke <laughs> if you play against just so everyone knows if you play against dan from sanctimonious and you're on voice and you play a sanitation engineer he'll go that's garbage every time he can't help interesting himself. interesting and so after time that becomes entrenched in your mind that yeah, you see that. basically i just say it now i can't help it <laughs> it literally is called a sanitation engineer which might as well be called a garbage engineer yeah so, exactly He's taking out the trash. It's quite funny. So that makes sense. But let's talk about a really exciting and interesting card in your Logos lineup. I did save the best for last. You well, you absolutely did. And this is a card that I played against a deck with this in a number of times on the weekend. A friend of mine has a very, very strong Worlds Collide Logos Star Alliance Sarian Meta Meta combo with a uh, Mimic Gel in it. And this card is absolutely glorious so what what have you been able to pull off with this card in in this deck so there's there's various things i'll do so one option is to get another edai on the board which allows me to archive further i will do a daughter sometimes as well to have even more card draw i've done things like um choosing i can choose some dino sometimes like a raider gallum i haven't quite gone into saurian yet but Raider Gallum is one. I also like using a Raido Hisaro as well to, to be able to ready and exalt neighbors. So that's one I've chosen. Um, I've done things like copy a... I don't... Oddly enough, I rarely copy my Shadow stuff. It's mainly Saurian or my Logo stuff because, again, I'm wanting to, to get things going. So I'll use um, Mimic yep. Gel to copy Ronnie a lot is a fun one. But I find that I'm putting less emphasis on Ronnie that I want to recur and I find that that is more of a short short term play where choosing something like an Edai, an Igor or a daughter depending on what's available having sure. those abilities those play effects available and static effects of drawing and just being able to cycle more is what I want for my deck so I usually stick within logos or a lot of the times I'll actually copy my opponent's creatures 
Yeah, I and find that, that gives you a whole world of uh, things that you can do as well. And for me as well, I think this is probably even stronger than a mimicry. What are your thoughts? Oh, 100%, without a doubt. We talked about like a Magic Christmas Land scenario that this deck has, where I think you can go Mimic Gel to copy your opponent's Restaurant Guntis. Is that Magic Christmas Land, or would you be copying a Chota Hasri? No, it would definitely be... <laughs> The, the magic, I know I okay. make your father I, Christmas joke. I, I, I sorry, I, I wasn't I wasn't as quick on the uptake there. It's <laughs> just like no, Ed. What are you saying? <laughs> so I like mimic gel in yeah. a magic Christmas land scenario where you copy a restaurant guntis. So its playability is choose a house, and then your opponent can't choose that. And then you go favor of Rex to copy the play effect. So you, then yes. you choose another yeah. house, and so your mimic gel can technically say two houses can't be chosen. So I find that's kind of an, an interesting thing. I've never pulled it off, but it's just something that we've talked about, a what-if scenario type of thing. And if you take this to Vault Tours, where you're playing Archon or other Archon events, conceivably, you're probably going to run up against a Restaurant Guntus at some point, and you're maybe even going to have your Mimic Gel archived and ready to play at that time. And I mean, I could, if they say no Saurians for me, I could even do like Mimic Gel and then use Quant to play my favor of Rex. So there's, yeah. there's ways. I, f- I find like there's, there's enough house cheating in Worlds Collide that you can actually get around sometimes not being able to call a house, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, and maybe something that the, the designers of the game consciously wanted to incorporate to make soft locks feel slightly less bad. Yes. So your Sarian lineup is super, super interesting as well. You have two Axiom of Grisks. Yes. And a city-state interest. That's the, the key so that I can protect my board. So oddly enough, that's really my main... They're my main board wipes in this. And unfortunately, their drawback of Ember on creatures prevent them from being destroyed is a real thing, and it does hurt it. And that was one of the things that I discovered in my store championship was I went against a deck that had Mars, Dis, and Sanctum. And so they had so much capture, and it just wrecked me. Like, I just got wrecked because I couldn't use my Grisk. And one thing I have found, though, is that an interesting way to use Axiom of Grisk is the ward function i've actually sometimes used it where i know i'm not going to get to destroy any creatures or maybe just one or two but i can ward a creature that already has an ember on it and protect it and i've sometimes played it almost just for that effect that it provides the ward because i think ward is such a powerful mechanic that exists i completely agree i completely agree particularly when you know that actually it's nearing an end game you know that those chains aren't going to be too impactful and you really just want to make sure that you keep those creatures on board and uh, nullify any removal that your opponent might have in hand yes and oddly enough my saurian house is uh kind of different than you would expect because it only has four creatures and that's yeah. okay because I actually use this house as a burst house. I use it to okay. usually close out games or to do some things. Like I use it, I'm usually using it to play actions, oddly enough. I want to get my golden spiral out. That's a big thing. And I like to get my quester Jarda out, but I sometimes won't use it right away. I'll just have it ready. And I find until you really, like people don't always target it right away because it does have the fact that it's going to take two creatures to get rid of it. 
and until you start putting ember on it they kind of want to see that pinata factor happening so yeah yeah it makes it a little less of a, a target right away and so i like to use this to kind of close things out in the game so um, one of the things i like about this is that there are cards that provide warding here so there's paraguardian provides warding with its reap ability of you exalt it and you ward each of its neighbors i have two imperiums so that's like six creatures that can be warded just off that and then the axiom of grisks providing the extra ward so the warding factor is actually a very important part of the way i like to play this deck especially if i'm going to do city state interests and start doing things like that sure it looks like there are a lot of options there with with those different warding combinations and mm-hmm. a lot of different things to do the warding and ritual garland can't be understated really can it if you've got no. a if you've got that archived you can make those your opponent's keys cost uh, so much more and from what i found with more competitive games in worlds collide this has been really impactful not just when you kind of stall your opponent from doing a miasma essentially with a kind of key cost increase but actually when you make them forge for nine if you make them forge for nine then they're three behind and yes not having that on the table seems to have much more of an impact than than just binding them a turn i agree that's exactly right and other situation too is i can take them off check and then have a cutthroat research in hand it's another thing that fuels that key increase which helps do those sort of things which is really cool and so if i'm going to move on with how i kind of do this deck the other thing i really like is oredo hasaro and one of my like i would say my closer like this is definitely one of my closers because i will basically have ideally i want to have quester jarda out already and i want to have my uh, golden spiral so I've already used Quester Jarda twice and Exalted, and then I use Aredo Hisaro to further do that and do a really strong burst that way. And then have the Imperial Forge. And I've done it where I forge keys for four, Ember only with Imperial Forge. I've gotten it off twice in a game before with uh, the way this works. And so the way I want to close out d- games is basically having a few creatures being able to city straight interest using Questa Jarda with a Aredo Hisaro and then the Golden Spiral to further and just get that all exalted Ember. And then it doesn't matter that I'm putting like seven Ember or five Ember on a creature because I'm going to play my Imperial Forge and end the game right then and there. So that's sure. how I really like to close the game out is third key Imperial Forge. That's my big one. Okay. And with the archive ability as well, that seems doable. Whereas it I think is. in a yes. lot of decks, the Imperial Forge feels like a bit of a wasted card. I think in the decks that it does work in, it's going to be more consistent, more reliable, and more impactful than the Colosseum, which is yes. the, the Saurian's other key cheat. Um, although the Colosseum might be one that we see a little bit more because it's probably more useful in, in a wider number of decks. Because the Colosseum just allows you to forge out of turn but you need to have the six ember right yeah absolutely absolutely. yeah i've had this actually be able to forge for less than the standard cost like i've had with the way i can like use quester jarda to get like i can essentially reap once golden spiral reap again and then aredo hasaro use it again i've just now given myself six ember just from that plus put another six on top of it and because of the huge amount of ward you've got here, the the risk reward it. that would otherwise come with something like Imperial Forge is not negated, but it's it's managed to a certain extent. Yes, that's that's correct. It it works very well. And like I said, I'm usually doing that as like a finishing move. It's not something I'm constantly doing. I'll look to to do that 
to end the game. So it's uh, the ideal situation is I forge my second key and then I just go do that and forge my third in the same turn. Like it just goes one, one, two, just like that. That's that's an ideal way to play it. And I've already mentioned about the favor of Rex, which just helps me copy whichever playabilities I need. Like, I mean, that's where I can use the Rado Hisaro again. So I literally just played it, have favor of Rex. I literally use it again in Ready Exalt, like I said, and just create more Ember for that Imperial Forge turn. It just works like so well together. I just absolutely adore the way this this uh, Saurian plays. And it's not how you would typically play a Saurian house, which is what I like about it. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of different lot of different options with it. And it's, it's not the traditional, we want to show off Saurian house, is it? It really is. No. It's got it's lots of tech. Yeah, absolutely. Something that you might more associate there with the kind of shadows lineup, I suppose. Yes, that's a great way of putting it. And talking of shadows, let's dive yes. in and look at shadows. You've got a lot of deck tech here and mm-hmm. a lot of the things that you generally want to see with shadows. So what are your most impactful cards? So first off, I actually consider kind of shadows my main house in this deck. It's between Logos and Shadows, but Shadows is putting in more work to allow the game to be controlled and kind of execute my game plan and allow me to keep going without my opponent running away with the game. So um, the big things here I have is um, uh, Steel that is very handy because I have basically Ember Control in every house. I have the Edai I have in Logos, I have Cutthroat Research potentially, and then there's Information Exchange, which also steals. So that exists. Sure. And then there's City State in- Interest and Raider Galleon in my Saurian. And then for Shadows, there is a Plethora. So I have two Trust No Ones. I have the Breaker Hill, which gives creatures the ability to steal. And a fun way to use that is to, if I know which house I'm going to call next turn, putting it next to that creature so I can utilize it in that way. Great. Great answers are like putting it next to a daughter, putting it next to an Edai, an Igor, things that are not going to get as much use and stealing as the effect rather than just a plain reap has that two ember swing basically because I'm stealing one and gaining one Yeah, from that effect. So I really like Breaker Hill for, for that sense, um, being a utility card to utilize my other things. Uh, there's also a Saurian plant in here. That's another great one to be beside Breaker Hill to give it a little more value. And then I have Jay Vinda, which is fantastic. And I honestly utilize that deal one damage to a creature. If this destroys that creature, steal one. I will use it just literally to get rid of my Saurian plant if need be. I'll use it to get rid of Breaker Hill even because sometimes I know that I'm not likely, the creatures next to it are not going to be called. I'm not going to be utilizing this. And I feel like keeping it would be sacrificing the long-term for a short-term game. So I'm okay with having that happen so i'll even just ping my own creatures to steal one right then and there that's one thing i've done um one card i want to spend some time talking about is manchego because it is a rare and it's a really interesting creature so it's a three power human thief and it has a playability if you have five or fewer cards in your deck steal two and then has a fight reap ability of you may shuffle manchego into your deck i find it very handy it works really well you can make it an archive target or you can just literally re-put it back into your deck if you want but then you have the fun thing if it's not dealed right after you play it you can essentially next turn like you can manage it so you put it right back into the five cards you have left or three and then sure. draw it again so there's there's a lot of ways you can really uh, abuse this card if your opponent doesn't yeah. recognize the threat it possesses yeah, and what stunning art on this card as well. It is, I yeah. It's, it's, it's like a cyberpunk skittyscape, isn't it? 
it's super super cool and reflects shadows i think almost better than any other individual card i would agree yeah if you look at the the art of ronnie yancey gang and manchego i feel they all have very very uh synergistic art that feels like if you had those three pieces mounted together on your wall it would just look stunning i think yeah agreed agreed i had a deck uh or i have a deck with three tower tower vapors in it and a number of different ways of just cycling through and archiving cards in your deck and i found in quite a few games actually that i was down to pretty consistently five cards in my deck that the entire time because between my discard pile and my deck that was what it was and i'm wondering you know with with this card whether there are going to be decks where you just cycle through you purge loads of things and you find yourself with very little left and you just have this stealing engine uh where you can pretty consistently draw through your decks steal lots of things and and go again yeah not only that i mean based on the deck you're describing it sounds like dis exists and then you have maybe an exhume so if it gets discarded you can literally get that trigger right away from an exhume so exactly that could be very fun yeah i would see that being exactly. a fun deck a new quest a new quest to have it is it is a quest deck it is a quest deck well, maybe i can try and find one that really I won't really fight you on offers that one. me every everything i want there yeah i think it's a bit i think it's a bit niche um whether it's going to have decks yeah those are the fun decks and that's what we like in call of discovery anyway uh, have you ever mimic gelled your manchego i have not I, I not that i can recall sometimes um i for some reason i find like the way it works is i'm yeah. gonna get mimic gel before i get manchego a lot of the time uh, and that's yeah, why yeah. it just doesn't happen yeah it's gonna happen at some point it's gonna happen yes. at some point um so then keeping on with this list here uh i have sure. a ronnie in here which is fun and a card that I absolutely really enjoy is Whisper. I think this card is now on the radar and people know that you need to get rid of this. Yeah, interesting. For All the games I've had with Whisper have been, the opponent has looked at it and gone, oh, I need to deal with that. And they've dealt with it so quickly that I'm afraid it hasn't had an impact. Yes, unfortunately, because it is, it is a fantastic card. You lose one Ember and you get to destroy a creature and the action it's an action ability and it's an elusive three power creature so it's not super easy to destroy but it's also not difficult is how i would put it yeah the efficiency cost to your opponent is definitely higher than the cost of that one amber yes so i i, I really like it it's a great way to help get rid of a creature with ember on it um you can pop ward with uh, like a pestering blow and then you can use that there's ways to to kind of make it do some some work so I, I do like Whisperer, but unfortunately it's become more known as I've been playing the game more. Like when I first had this deck and no one knew Worlds Collide, people really overlooked it. And sure. now it's it's not the case anymore. <laughs> but but there are so many values to these distractions. And I think that's probably something that Shadows offers. Shadows is much more of a known quantity, I think, in terms of its strength and where its strength lies in looking at steel and going, I need to deal with that. You have yes. Javinder, you have Breaker Hill, you have Whisperer, you have all of these different things that can can do damage to your opponent. Your opponent's going to think, I need to get those off board. And yes. all the time that you're doing that, you are preventing your opponent from actually advancing their game plan and doing what they want to do. Meanwhile, your game plan relies on the other two houses to, to kind of cycle through your deck and get that win. The That's Shadows, correct. it seems, is almost a bonus. So I think it's 
probably doing exactly what it says on the tin that Shadows is uh, is being a bit murky and having a slightly different purpose to what the opponent you're playing might first suspect. It's almost like some sleight of hand where they're look yeah. over here and I'm going to be doing something really over here sort of thing. Yeah, it's uh, very Shadowsy in that sense. Exactly. Yeah, totally. To round off uh, this this deck, uh, it has also a long fuse mind, which is uh, a main way of doing some removal. It's it's fantastic because it's omni, so it's a way to deal with creatures that a have ward, or as well as creatures that cannot get through the axiom of grisk because of the the fact that they have ember on them. So it's it's helpful in that sense. And then it has a hawk as a little bit of um, uh, artifact control, which I think has become more necessary than ever in the game that you possess some artifact Absolutely. control. And Hawk is such a fun, strong card, I find. You know, not only do you just get an amber for playing it, and you there's normally an artifact somewhere that you can you can pop and then yes. get that second amber for. So it gives you two amber and normally deals with something that's either a minor or a major threat to you. I would completely agree with that. And uh, just... Like I said, there's two trust no ones, which is a great little action steal. It can be used with quant, which I have been known to do. And then it has a Yancey gang, which is, you know, just your standard uh, meat and potatoes sort of guy who who you're never disappointed to see because can put in some work. And Absolutely. I really like the pestering blow because it's a way that I can make my J Vinda take care of a two-powered creature, which is really nice. And especially in Star Alliance, you have those pesky two-power creatures and things like Daughter as well which you, you yeah. want to take care of. So it's really helpful to get that and steal an ember. Yeah, really, really gets you value there. I mean, just that play alone is a three ember because you get one for the playing plastering blow, you get one for reaping with Jay Vinda, and then you get one more for stealing. So it's it's a really nice, nice uh, combination that exists within the shadows line. Yeah, and I think we're going to be seeing shadows as a real force in Worlds Collide because of just the number of utility cards that they have and unfortunately i find that the shadows is is it's not as consistent as it was it almost feels no. like um i want to say like a mars deck you know where sometimes you get ones that you're just like oh, i'm not really excited to see that but when you get good ones they're like really good like i on a sealed on monday I happened to open up a deck that had two brens plus also yes. two strength in numbers which is is just fantastic so ways of getting rid of them yeah yeah it's it's a really fun i i do i do like shadows in i i will admit that it is been weaker it's almost like they're preparing to maybe move on from shadows by preparing us by kind of reducing its strength and letting <laughs> you know it's not the powerhouse as it always yeah. has been but yeah. i i do like shadows in in worlds collide i'm not disappointed with it yeah, I think it's got a lot of options. It's maybe powerful in different ways than it was before. Yes. Um it does it does things in a slightly different approach, but I'm sure that rebalancing is going to be good for the game in the long run. Yes, I would agree. So, Blake, if there was any one card that you could throw in this deck that isn't currently there, what would it be? Ooh, that's a good one. That is a very good one. I did say I'm going to put you on your toes. I want to say it feels like saying what I'm going to say just feels so, so easy that I almost don't want to say it. Yeah. Yeah. And say it. <laughs> the Cincinnati Rex in, in, uh, yeah, into my, uh, cause it has a golden spiral already. So, I mean, and then that gives me five creatures, which is a good number. And with things like Questor Jarda and Paraguardian being able to ward and stuff like that, I think would be really good. And then having Aredo Hisaro being able to use it right away. Um, I think that card would be really OP in this deck. 
that's the one I would I would definitely say first and foremost. And plus, I'm on the lookout for really good Cincinnatus Rex deck. So, um, yeah, that, is that I, your your current quest? No, it's it's not my current quest. It's something that I hope to come across. Uh, my my, I don't even want to state my current quest. I want to keep that on the low. But I mean, no, I'll say one. I'm I'm on the lookout for an interesting Quixelstone uh, deck right now. I don't yeah. have any, yeah. and that's the one I'm most interested to kind of explore. It is the heart of the forest, I would say, of this set i think yeah completely agreed uh, i'm very lucky to have opened two super fun probably not probably not competitive but i mean it's it's for the fun of it quixelstone and book of liqueur or book of ieq still not decided how to pronounce that one i yet. actually Dex. know what it is it's leq Okay, and I know this. Oh, I tried it's different. To, I tried to search for it in my master vault, and when I typed in a capital I E Q, it didn't come up. And so when I did lowercase L E capital Q, it then showed up. That's how I figured out what it is. There we go. For for the <laughs> everyone listening, we have the answer. Book of L E Q, and that's a such a, that's such a fun card as well that I think we're probably going to be seeing a lot more from. For our listeners, Blake has so much great Keyforge content from the stuff he's making on video to the stuff on his Instagram to the work he's doing as part of Help from Future Self, a absolutely terrific podcast that Blake is a part of. So, Blake, where can people find you to find out more about this great content? Well, first off, I just want to say it's a pleasure to be on here. Ed, I really appreciate you having me, and um, I look forward to maybe having you on uh, one of the shows that I do at some point in time. And I'd be the, delighted. Yes, that'd be fantastic. I think uh, you're definitely going to be a guest in the new year for uh, Crucible and Cognac, because uh, that's an interview show that I'm doing over uh, a game on TCO. And awesome. The best way to find me is to reach out through Twitter or Instagram, depending on which one you prefer to uh frequent and it's at boulevard paper fight that's blvd paper fight you can find my youtube the same way where i am posting the said crucible and cognac and i also try and do a couple times a week a crucible and coffee which is a morning game of me playing tco sipping my coffee and kind of just going over my thought process of how i play a deck and then i'm also doing I guess every every other week I'm doing an article now on Archon's Corner covering a variety of different topics and I try and add some story to certain articles and I'll try and do some more technical, strategic articles. I just like to, I'm really a big fan of the variety of aspects of how Keyforge can be enjoyed and exploring those yeah. in the content I make. That's a big thing for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's a fertile landscape and there is so much to explore. And I look forward to exploring that with yourself, with other Keyforge players and members of the community over over the coming months and, and years, hopefully, for yes. the game. So we've been Call of Discovery and you can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on all of the places and you can email us any questions ideas suggestions and anything else and in between at discoverkeyforge at gmail.com but most importantly if you think a friend would enjoy this podcast then please 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 do help them to discover it thank you <laughs>